0: glory we're going to go over this prophecy uh we're still in a intimacy mode like still talking about private worship and intimacy and what god is doing as far as helping us be encouraged to spend more time in private worship and intimacy and we did that a lot last wednesday as the lord led us and we're going to do some more of that tonight but uh in a little bit different manner a little bit different subject matter. Tonight's subject topic is, or title, is Properly Discerning the War. Properly Discerning the War. But I want to pray first. So Father, we love you so much, and we just love everybody that's watching, and we love everybody that's here, and we appreciate them so much for who uh, they are and part of this and, and bringing their part, their application to to anointing. Words are not enough, really, Lord, to express how much we do love them and how much we do appreciate everyone that has joined themselves to this ministry and are praying with us and seeking God with us. So, Father, we just yield ourselves as best we can at this moment in time to yield ourselves to the wisdom of God and the opportunity to speak your word and to follow you according to the mind of the Spirit. Take us to another place, Lord, tonight we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, hallelujah, so there's a prophecy that came Sunday, and we usually go over the prophecies to show our appreciation to the Holy Spirit sometimes we we you know we move on and and we know that there it's there, and the Lord's given it to you uh on the website you can it this is on the website, so if you're sitting there watching us on your tv or smart device and you have another one available you can just go to our website and go to prophecies and it's the most recent prophecy so it's right there so uh, thank you candy and jamie and sarah and everybody that that has a part in these prophecies hallelujah so this one came sunday and it's kind of unusual that the lord will prophesy and then he will talk about a Previous prophecy or service but he did do that and uh, I've got to say this that as I started to prophesy Sunday I just um, I was listening because I was like I got into it um, pretty quickly and then um, even as I'm speaking I'm listening to make sure that I'm not prophesying um, of myself but I'm always um, spiritual integrity is to really, really guard yourself and make sure that you are, it is thus saith the Lord, okay? Um, a lot of ministers uh, that love God will prophesy out of their own volition uh, what they want to see happen, and they'll also prophesy many times out of pet peeves, like I want to straighten somebody out. And... uh the anointing will go on that. You know, you you, you can't prophesy, just, you know, he may straighten somebody out, but it's not your position to use, thus saith the Lord, to get across um, you straightening somebody out or some, you know, along that lines. But this prophecy title is, and I hope you've got it now, I'm, I've talked long enough you can look it up, but it's Without Intimacy There Is No Other Way. The Lord said this, and I say unto you, says the Spirit of grace, the change change comes through intimacy in my spirit. In your spirit, highlight this. He's going to really accentuate this. Underscore it. Take a marker in your own mind and spirit and put intimacy in a place exalted in my presence. To a place as an open door into the supernatural, says the spirit of the Lord. Go back, he said, go back and listen to what you heard Wednesday night from my spirit. Listen to it once and listen to it again and listen until you get it down in your spirit of what I'm calling you to in this in places of intimacy. Now I, I've got to say that I thank God. <laughs> you know, I was obedient to that. Yesterday I listened to last Wednesday night. I hardly ever ever listen to my myself but the Lord said to do this and I did it because I obviously don't count myself to have arrived and uh, I would encourage you because he said it to go back uh, before this prophecy ever took place um, Gary uh, Carpenter listened to it again and it sent me a text I believe it was before I'm sure it was and uh, he said, you know, how did he say it? It was really neat. It was, it was cute. He said, it was, this was a, He said, um, if you go through a buffet line and you really like the food, you always want to go through <laughs> the second time. And he said, I, I, I had to go through the second time on this message, which it really was a, a wonderful message. But the intimacy was a lot of just self-expression and word based on how to go into that place of real deep intus- intimacy with the Lord. The Lord said this, it's one thing to know me in the word and to know truth by the word. It's another thing to know me in truth and in intimacy, says the spirit of grace. Come unto that place, for no other place will provide the revival outpouring that you're asking. Mechanics will not do it. Not Now listen to this. And I was like, Ooh, should I? I'm saying this. I'm. I'll, I'm kind of uh, quin um uh, wincing. I was hesitation. Yeah, I'm kind of wincing, hesitating because I'm hearing what I'm supposed to be saying, but not even time spent with me will do it. Which to some or to many sounds like a contradiction, but many of you have been spending time with me, as in watching the clock, and letting your mind and affections. Be on other things, but I say unto you again, I do not fellowship with time, I fellowship with you in time, says the spirit of grace, so that's a distinction that we all need to keep i uh, you know we can all put our minds on autopilot to do things uh sometimes i've I've caught myself Miss Gail be up here leading us, and you know those things you've said them so many times. You can put your mouth on autopilot, and you're like, you're, you're working on Monday's, uh, you know, what you got to do on Monday. Words, just spoken, is not power. You got to invest your inward person. So just like, okay, I put, you know, I, I, this may be you or my, not you, but we've all done it. So I'm going to I'm going to just legalistically sit down here for the next hour or two, and well, <laughs> wonderful. I honestly, and I, I got to tell you, um, I, I've sat for a long time before and then caught myself and said, "Oh my God, <laughs> you know, even in worship, saying, "I love you, I love you, I love you," And then I was like, "I have been someplace else." So that's not going to get it done. We have to really engage. So intimacy is the hour, he said, intimacy and knowing me face to face. Come into this place. There's no other way. This way, or this was the way that I spent with my father. My disciples wanted to know, they wanted to follow me in prayer. And the best that I could give them was to give them my prayer externally at the time. But I never could at that time convey to them the internal communion that I was having and that they would one day have one day and that they would have one day with the Father but now it's given to you for this place make no excuses and again reiterates guard your time for many of you are saying in your hearts this is good for those to whom it applies but I'm in this season but I'm in this season of my life meaning that person's saying that's good for others but I'm in this season I'm in this season and at some point I'll go to that place but I say to you to every mother to every father to every housewife to every businesswoman to every worker to every elder and to every preacher to the great and to the small and to the in-between I'm asking you to come up higher and give me more of yourself than you're presently giving. You can do this through my grace and not of yourself, says the Spirit of grace. Hallelujah. So really, he is qualifying all of us. And uh, now everybody's got a different... A mother that's got three kids and working, that's a different schedule than I'm on. And the lord does not even begin to expect them to be spending the time in prayer and in the word that that i am or should be but everybody's got a part everybody's got something to give hallelujah by the way i was it was so blessed sunday uh with my my daughter davy she got in the truck for some reason i don't know how it worked out you know it's musical cars or musical chairs with our bunch going home and she got in the truck with me and uh she was in tears almost she goes god came so strong over with the kids sunday and he she said that the lord got in there and the lord told her to have communion with him, and she started to have communion with him, and all those little guys just started i mean there was a presence that came it's so great i mean a presence so hallelujah so uh it's wonderful So Sunday's prophecy, we just read that because I want us to to understand uh, properly discerning the war because we're going to talk about the war in a little bit different manner tonight concerning the war that's engaged against each one of you. And the other side of the coin being the other side of the part of the war that's not just purging and not you just giving up, but the accuser of the brethren and the part that comes at you sometimes to make you feel... um, much less than than what you, you possibly well much less than who you are who you are in, in all essence so let's go to a place I want to demonstrate something to you he does let's go to uh, First Kings let's go to the Old Testament I'll show you a shadow I'm going to turn there in the In the pages, but then I might read it out of the first Kings chapter 18. Now, this is an Old Testament story of the prophet Elijah. And if there was ever a incredible demonstration of power. Uh, This is like right up with Red Sea crossings, and I mean, it's just really very, very, very powerful what took place here. So just bringing you up to speed real quickly, Ahab and Jezebel, Ahab's the king, Jezebel is, of course, his wife, one of the most ungodly couples couples that had ever been and ever ruled Israel, and uh, we won't go into all that, but just incredible uh jezebel obviously uh coins the phrase jezebel for controlling spirits and spirits that control other people and uh she was really the king you know ahab was the king as in in puppet but she was she was the uh she was the one with power and she was uh uh, if you've ever heard somebody call somebody well ahab or Jezebel, a witch—that's exactly really what she was, because she had a controlling spirit. But she had 450 prophets of Baal that she served at her table, and uh, basically manipulated them and had them do whatever she wanted to, you know, to take place in the kingdom. So there is, uh, a, a, you know, a judgment on Israel because of this. God dries up the land, it's in famine, it's in a drought. But the man of God of the hour was uh, the prophet Elijah. And this is prophet, This is Elijah's showdown with the prophets of Baal. And then we'll read a little bit past that to uh, also uh, get to where we want to get to tonight. But um, Elijah is the man of the hour. He's filled with... Uh, God's power not necessarily his spirit but walking in God's power and so um, I'm going to move on down here and well let's look at down in verse 20 so Ahab um, Elijah actually meets Ahab after three years and uh, says I'm going to break the drought God's going to break the drought um in verse 19 he says, Now therefore send, he's speaking to Ahab, and gather to me all of Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the grove groves 400 which eat at Jezebel's table. And so Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said this must have been a massive you know gathering of of israel and jews how long halt ye between two opinions if god if the lord be god follow him but if baal then follow him and the people answered him not a word then said elijah unto the people i even i alone only remain a prophet of the lord But Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the Lord that answereth by fire, let him be God, and all the people answered, now they're going to say something, and said, it is well spoken, and Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourself and dress it for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, and put uh, no fire under it. They took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning. Even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped. I mean, here we go, we look like a bunch of chickens. They leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is cry aloud, for he is a God, either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he's on a journey, or a venture he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out of them. Now, can you, I mean, this is a, tr- this is a story, but it's true life. This is, you know, this has actually happened. And so, Elijah, this is Mount Carmel showdown. I believe that in the last days that we're going to see some Mount Carmel showdowns. We're going to see the real church in exhibition, not for show, but for the reality of who is God and who is not God. And so we're coming to that place because the world is getting so dark. Uh, we were looking at some stuff um, in the office prior and and just it was humorous but it wasn't humorous it's the dark it's the the age of the day and there was a certain uh satire uh group um that has some pretty good stuff at times and they were banned from twitter this week because they they called a man a man but the man is saying and he's like up in the well, it's not necessary. I don't think he's really in the military, but he's been appointed to some kind of like a military type position over human what resource, I don't know. Um many of you probably know his name, but he says, "Uh I'm so glad to serve as the first you know, he you, you stand there as a man. I'm so glad to serve as the first female uh, four-star such and such military person And So this group called him and said, "Well, a, was writing about him and said he's a man and uh, he got banned from social media because they said he was a man it's a wicked hour that we live in it's a very wicked hour so it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse but the god that answers by fire in the days ahead with power is going to be shown in the earth as the true and living god so these guys, they cut themselves. They did everything possible to solicit from Baal, which is Satan, the god of this world, um, and nothing happened. And so Elijah begins to mock them. He begins to say, "Well, maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's you know talking to somebody. Maybe he needs to be wake uh, you know awakened." And that just infuriated them. They began to cut themselves and they began, the blood began to gush out. And it came to pass that midday was past that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. And there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. So they thought, if I prophesy, I begin to speak, oh, he's, he's going to do it. And so I don't know how big this crowd was. Let's say maybe there's thousands. Uh, they put on this exhibition of demonstration of emotions and cut themselves and then they begin to prophesy and begin to say that you know Baal is going to do this but no nothing happened and Elijah said unto the people come near to me and all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down and Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt offering or burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran out or ran about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass, it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known. So There's no cutting himself. There's no demonstration. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. In other words, he didn't just make the challenge. God told him to do this. So it was, it was a directive. In other words, you can't just go and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do stuff to put on a demonstration. Before we read what most of you have already read before or heard preached many times before, God did answer him. But the, the amazing part to me is not just that there was no demonstration by the prophets of Baal or Baal, which is another name for Satan himself, uh, you could call that a principality, but he's still um, he's still behind that. He is the the full entity, the one that's at the end of the chain of command is Satan himself. But somebody might say, "Well, well, the thing of it is, they were they were barking against the wind. They were trying to get something to happen that is impossible to happen." And that's not true. That's not true. The amazing part to me is that satan could have had he not been gagged tied and kept from doing what he wanted to do you say well how do you know that well um the bible don't turn there because it's another subject for another day but the bible talks about in the book of job, uh job that when Job, when satan went before jo- uh god and and uh was going to attack Job, and please, I would to caution all of you, watch Job, watch, make sure you're very, very versed in the 27 books of the New Testament before you jump on Job, because I'll just tell you one thing, um, everything in Job is true, as in factual that it was, it happened, but not everything that's said in Job is truth about God, <laughs> okay? I mean, the whole thing is a bunch of people talking about God that don't know him from the beginning. You know, Job had to be straightened out like God saying, you know, you most everything you've said about me, that's not right. His three friends. So if you read Job, you know, point blank and say, look at that. That's, that's really, that doesn't, wow. God's really different, wasn't he? No, God's the same. He's the same. Those guys wrote down or said what they believed about God, which wasn't true. So Satan goes after Job, and uh, so the day that all this calamity happens, um, he has all these servants, Job has all these servants that come in from the field, and one of the servants comes in and says, you know, we were... Um, and I can't remember which one it was, but it had something to do with his animals and his servants and all that. And he said, and we were there in the field and all of a sudden God rained down fire from heaven and burn up the servants and burn up the, you know, the the animals and burn up this. And well, God didn't do that. That was Satan. But Satan evidently had that kind of manipulative power to do such things. And the next guy, while he's standing there, the next guy said, your children were all gathered together in one big house, and a huge wind came through and knocked all of it down and killed them all. Well, Satan did that, so so we know that he does have a limited amount of power. So it wasn't that the devil could not have done that. I would have loved to have seen the warfare in the spirit. I'd like as they were doing that, he probably got ready to do it and just keep Israel under but whatever you know god god may have just done it himself and and just said shut up and s- sit there but if it was an angel if if it was like michael or one of those man what a what a you know what a you talk about ufc i mean that guy the the angel that god sent to put the 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 principality of baal under authority he was mugged and gagged and made to sit. You're going to sit there and be real still while this demonstration takes place. So he, we see here the Lord says, uh, or that Elijah prays this prayer. And uh, he says, hear me, o, o Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord And thou has turned their hearts back again. And then the fire, I mean immediately, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, what a demonstration. I mean, this is an absolute. And I believe this is where we're going in these last days, that the miracles and those things that will take place will be so demonstrative that there will be no room for doubt, no And it's not that won't be for us. It'll be for the gainsayers and those who don't believe. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let none of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook, Kishon, and slew them there. Now, you know, we're not in a day and hour where we're going to start, you know, stabbing people with swords and killing them like that. But I'm telling you, this was an incredible cleansing that took place um, and a demonstration of power that took place on that day. So Elijah, the prophets, part of this, taking them down, and the Bible says they, they slew or they killed. They, that doesn't mean that they um, laid hands on them and they got you know, slain in the spirit. That means they died, they physically, 400. Can you imagine 450 bodies laying there? Uh, you don't kill 450 people. He must have had help. Uh, obviously, they're not doing this willingly. You've got two or three guys or four men. A grown man that knows he's about to be disemboweled um, usually will fight like crazy. But five or six guys can hold. I don't care how bad you are. You, if you've got five or six decently strong guys, they will they will subdue you. And so it took a lot of people because these guys probably did not like knowing that they were about to be Uh, killed they were tied probably and and then destroyed well why do you make a point of that because this was an exceptional big day and um so after this right after this you know elijah breaks the drought and he does some things that are just human beings can't do he outruns a chariot and uh because he's just under this adrenaline rush if you would of destroying god god raining down fire him killing all these prophets of baal and then breaking this drought and uh so we're not going to read all of that just for time's sake but we'll go right into the next uh chapter chapter 19 so he does all this stuff and it's like here's this mighty man of god that you just like i mean he's He's like the man of steel. He's incredible. Does all this in one day, calls down fire, kills all these false prophets. And then in verse 1 of chapter 19, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel. Well, uh, Ahab was not the man in control. I mean, or the man that was. He, he was under an authority, and it was Jezebel's authority. And Elijah had, what Elijah had done and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a message unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. (laughs) Well, you would have thought that after you would have been able to do all this, work and all this power, that a threat by a woman in a palace would have been god 's going to protect me god 's going to keep me um, but i'm telling you the uh, the uh authority the demonic authority that she walked in was so strong, and the man probably i 'm just you know the the bible doesn't say i 'm just speculating but i 'm sure it must have been um, he must have been just physically wore out from the adrenaline of what had happened in the in the last twenty four to forty eight hours called down fire from heaven killed 450 men, broke a drought, outrun a chariot, and now, and now Jezebel sends a message to him and says, Tomorrow I'm going to kill you, or have you killed, just like you killed my prophets. So when he saw that, verse 3, he arose and went for his life. I mean, fear comes on him. And he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah and left his servant there but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die now here we go here's the here's kind of a pity party here but you know the man's probably under extreme depression at this point in time having gone through such an adrenaline uh and then yet now he's running for his life and he said it's enough now oh lord take away my life for i'm not better than my fathers and he lay and he slept under a juniper tree and behold an angel touched him and said unto him arise and eat and he looked and behold there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head and he did eat and drink and laid him down again the man was exhausted you can tell that by the context of scripture and the angel of the lord came unto him again again the second time and touched him and said arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink or drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights until, unto Horeb, the mount of God. So it's amazing he didn't, he didn't eat again, it looks like, uh, because of the strength of that, that angel food that he had eaten. But then it says in 19, uh, 9, and he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. So he's in this cave. He's going from where he was at to this cave. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him. And he said unto him, what doest thou, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord. It's a, this is amazing dialogue. I mean, God knows why he's there. Elijah knows why he's there. But God's asking him some questions. So what are you doing here? And he said, well, I've been really, you know, I've been very zealous, very jealous for the Lord. God of, of hosts." For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword, and I I even I only am left. And they seek my life to take away um, So let me just stop right there for just a second because I hear this the perception of what we're try, what we're trying to get across tonight and one of the things I want you to see is the perception of the reality of what what battle we really are facing not that it's that it's not real, but the reality as in the discernment as in, as how God sees things and how what it is that comes uh, at us to stop us from going in to the fullness of everything that God has called us to do and primarily tonight last week he he's been talking accentuating um intimacy and i said again last week and i can't say it enough i'll repeat it again in this service we never receive um like say for instance teaching on one particular limb and divorce ourselves from the others to say that this one's the one now we go with and all every single one of them are equally valuable in other words praying in tongues private worship, meditation of the word, and fasting, um, all, all are necessary all the way to the end, all the way to the end, I mean, till he comes and, and gets us. But there is a, it seems like all of those things that help uh, destroy the flesh or the, bring us to a place of yieldedness continually take us to a place of agape and intimacy. And the, probably the vehicle that just brings that in the most is, is private worship. So the the Lord is all about helping us understand the battle that is waged against private worship in our life, especially if you're someone that is already engaged in going through the purging process. Um I'll probably say it again because it's probably in what few notes I do have, is that I want you to understand something, that the war to keep you out of worship uh, is a different war than the purging process. It's, it's, it's two different entities that are coming. There is a war that the Holy Spirit will help you wage against your flesh as in yielding yourself to the Lord, there's a war of distraction and a war of, if I say it like this, mono-mono, just straight on the enemy coming to bring forth depression or fear or anxieties or just a maze of emotions against um, private worship. <laughs> I, I'm i thinking of something right now, a friend of mine who is mature in the Lord, they'll, they'll hear this tonight, they'll know I'm talking about them, but... Um, they heard lessons, oh, probably probably two years ago now on private worship, and they had started a real life of fasting, and they were getting some really good benefits from fasting. And so they said the Lord told them to do a certain amount of time every day in private worship, so they kind of switched gears in, for a season to go into to private worship. After a while, now this is hard to believe, but it is true cuz i believe the person but i know this is i know i know the war sometimes in in private worship after a while they called me they said you know what it got so tough in private worship that i went back to fasting i said oh my god <laughs> i said that's a now when your default is something that nobody wants to do then you know there's a war against private worship so if he's asked you to go into if he's asked you to really spend some time in one particular limb and then you just say no, I'm real strong over here. I'm just going to keep getting big and strong over, you know, that doesn't that's not what he asked you to do. You can't now I'm drawing some real strong lines here because none of this is sin in that per se, but you can't default to your strength and leave out something he's asked you to do. Well, that person went on to to win that war and they went back and they said, "Do you think I was I missed God by going back into to fasting I mean any most people would say how in the world can you I mean anybody that's dead enough to say I'd rather fast and I mean you know I'll go back so I said yeah it's it's hard to it, it's hard maybe to understand but if there's such a war that wants to keep you out of it you got to go back in and win it you got to go back in and win it so the enemy will fight you on certain aspects um, if you're not strong in that area one of the areas that he's really accentuating now again is the one we're talking about tonight so so here elijah we still got elijah in the cave right he's still there and he's having this discussion and again he said i've been very jealous for the lord of hosts for the children of israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword and even i I mean, he was totally convinced. His perception of where he was at and the battle that he was in, he said, I'm the only one in Israel. I alone, I alone are left. And they seek my life to take it away. So he felt pretty depressed. You know, like I'm, uh, I'm a preacher out here seeking God for revival and there is nobody that wants to go. You know, that's what he felt. And he said, go forth, God said, and stand in the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountain and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. What an incredible wind. I mean, this is this is this is hurricane force wind. He's standing there. But the Lord now, this is amazing to me. But the Lord was not in the wind. Evidently, God can put on a demonstration of his power. And it really be him but he himself say the essence of my presence as far as way i see myself i'm distinguishing my power from my essence of intimacy if we want to use that the bible says he wasn't in that he put he did it but the full investment of who he was wasn't in that wasn't in that great um, wind and it says but the lord was not in the wind and afterward the after the wind an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake so God has put on this demonstration uh however long these things lasted 15 20 minutes 30 minutes an hour I don't know but what a demonstration only God could be doing those things but here's a distinguishing that we're we're trying to draw a fine line to God says yes he was the one doing it but I'm not in it my presence my intimacy is not in there And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, here's what comes, a still, small voice. All this demonstration of power, but it comes down to an internal, still, small, or for us we'd call it an internal, but for Elijah, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. Behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Well, God's already asking this once already. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with a sword. And I even I alone only am left and they seek my life. To take it away, and the Lord said unto him, Go and return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest anoint Haziel, the king of Syria. Then he goes on to tell him you know, what the directives are, uh, that who he wants to anoint, and how he wants to to um, to do what he wants done. But the last verse is really where I want or the verse 18, it says, God said to him, yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees of which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which has not kissed him. So he goes on. He tells him to anoint um, Elijah, Elisha, Jehu. um, And so he tells him this different ones that are going to do his will god's will in and bringing forth his kingdom but the amazing part was here god says to him elijah for one thing um i've shown you a demonstration of power but i'm coming to you in a still small voice to tell you something personable and this is my directives to you but here's the other thing elijah your concept is all wrong you're not the only one You think you're the only one based on your feelings, but you're not the only one. I've got seven thousand like you that are still serving me. Seven thousand, not just you know, four hundred, five hundred. And he swore, he told all the people like when he was on karma, I'm the only one, and he just he, he believed it. He told God himself, I'm the only one left. Now you can say, well, that's a, he was talking about prophets. No, then he didn't distinguish prophets. He just said, the last time he said it was, I'm the only one left. God said, no, son, you're not the only one left. There's 7,000 more. But I bring all that up as an example unto you to say uh, in this battle, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it, that the battle for your intimacy is fought on different levels it may be a distraction that comes at you the lord's prophesied to that recently it may be fighting sickness it may be some kind of you know physical thing that you could say look that's that's a real a real problem for anybody that's a real problem but if the enemy can't stop you in which he's he's in jeopardy with a lot of you and a lot of you that are watching that not being able to stop you whether you're spending an hour a day or 30 minutes of real valuable time and really really getting in there and saying i'm really going to seek the lord with everything besides for other parts um he's going to do invariably at times whatever he can to do to come at your emotions as well with spiritual battles I said last Wednesday, I said this, I said, some people will say, you know, I have never ever went through a real dry time like you're, you're describing pastor or like pastor Dave described. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, um, you, you keep at it. (laughs) Just keep at it. Um, if you want to go, but I'm, I don't want anybody to feel like you're, you're trying to push me towards a battle. No, I'm just saying this. Nobody gets a pass. There's not anybody from Christ till now that ever gets a pass. Like I'm going to walk into that room called agape because I'll tell you what's in tr- inside that room. Continuous healing. Continuous miracles. There's an inertia. If I can use that word, there's a continual inertia that builds on itself. And I said this last week and I hear him saying it again. The level of us keeping it as in fight. Is a different fight than us getting there. We're trying to break into something that we've never seen and the world hasn't seen in 2,000 years. So this is taking uh, quite a fight. It's taking quite, Candy said the other day, she said, and, and she said even today, what I said, we're going to read this prophecy. She said, how many ways can, and she, she meant in a good way, but how many ways can the Lord say it? I mean, he keeps saying it over and over and over again about going in, staying in there. And I said, I know it but it's like he's reiterating it, reiterating it, because he's got some people, it it, it may be me, you, and a bunch of us watching, he's got some people that's close enough that he can talk this way and encourage us to go all the way in to a place where, and I said last week, this can't be gradual. It is gradual right now, but if revival really does, and I say if, not as in contemplating doubt but if if revival like i believe it's going to take place if it's going to take place it's got to take place with a a quantum change not just a gradual change it's got to be a quantum change it's going to be like as i said last week an oh my god moment like oh my god this changed like overnight because um as good as things are and people will call and say pray i you know i'd re- i'd like to have a church like this if I was out there and was facing cancer, you know, uh, knowing us and people that pray is going to give you a better—I hate to use this word—chance. It's going to give you a lot better chance of making it than not. But we got—we got we to go to a place where we get them all the time, you know, all the time, where it's not an exception. So understanding that that there's a number of diff- there's a different battle once the inertia starts but one of the things the enemy wants to to do i'm going to use a personal uh, point of reference and i maybe it maybe you can refer to it uh, or relate to it maybe not i'll spend because i i've got to teach i've got to share up to a certain point uh, without getting too personal because some things are just personal between me and the lord and they should be between you and him how much time you spent in that. But the first part of my time in the morning is, is in private worship and intimacy. And then I'll go into, you know, I'll vacillate in tongues and intimacy, and then I'll go into word and meditation of the word. <clears throat> but um, for the most part, for the most mornings, things are pretty uh, uh, wet. I'll use wet as in contrast to dry. Okay. wet as in really at times I'll find myself not even trying to con- not even try to m- produce it, but tears um, streaming down my face and intimacy and a presence and but then there's times where there's seemingly little presence and i didn't I didn't do anything but then there's times like this morning where um, I could feel something, and i don 't go by feelings, but i 'm going to relate something so many of you'll say okay maybe that's maybe that 's you, and maybe you fa where something was coming yesterday afternoon there wasn 't no real reason for it, it was just coming, and I fought it through the night, I slept okay, I got my rest in i didn 't bother candy, but uh there was a spiritual warfare that was taking place, and um, then when I got up to get coffee and then i went and you know got ready to pray and sit down i could feel this presence and to one of the ways that the enemy will get something across on you is if you don't rightfully discern him in other words if you think it's yourself you'll go sometimes if you think it's that's just you or if you think now here's part of our lesson tonight or if you think it's god dealing with you you'll approach it in a much different way if you think it's because we talk so much about God dealing with us in um, uh, the process of of dying to self and the purging process and that's a reality but you've also got to understand and you know what is our discerning properly discerning the war so I sit down begin to worship and it wasn't dry you know if you have a dry wet meter and wets over here and dries over there it wasn't like human emotions it was the needle was going way that way in other words you could you know that sense of not anything wrong but accusations and emotions and all kinds of stuff and i began to it was like war But I'm accustomed to war at times, so that's okay. But here's the thing, and this is where I'm learning, but I pass over to you what I'm learning when he lets me. So in years gone by, now I'll just talk about this, in years gone by sitting there under a sense of like, why is this so astronomically dry and why is the war May, I would have probably been in years gone by. Maybe God's dealing with me about something. Maybe there's something needs to. And I would even at times when it was so dry, like if it was really good three days earlier, and back, I'd be like, Lord, what's wrong? You know, what's 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 wrong? You know, do I need to? Is there something here that needs to be purged or not? Is there something? And I knew I wasn't come, I, There wasn't anything wrong. But you'll you'll begin to tend to want to straighten stuff out. If something's wrong (laughs) and I remember, I remember the moment now it didn't change the presence so much, but I remember this verse that we just read a still small voice, a still small voice, which I locate easily now by the Holy Spirit, a still small voice said to me, it's because of you going in. It's because you're going in that's creating the war. And I knew immediately what he was saying. You haven't done anything wrong. You're absolutely doing everything right. This wasn't a purging. It wasn't a, like, God, what do you need to change in me? Now, grant me all of us are still in a purging process. But Tim Stemple used to say this. I loved it. He said, Two ways to understand, or one way to understand, he said. Demons push. The Holy Spirit leads. He leads. He's a father. If you're leaning into this now, if you're if you're one foot in the world, one foot in in you know Christ, uh, you may have a you know a terrible time of. It may be as Peter said that you, uh, it, it's wrenching. It's it's he suffered, he that has ceased from sin has suffered in the flesh. There comes a point where there shouldn't be any major like amputation suffering. Really. they should. Con- it, it, there's going to continue to be because none of us are uh, infallible in that sense that where we've arrived, Paul said of himself, he's still. But the works of the Holy Spirit are totally different. And the Lord said to me, he goes, it's because you're going in that is, is the fight. Well, then obviously throughout the day, the, the atmosphere changed. Absolutely. Um, but does that help you? I hope it does. Because I, ha- I hope you understand that when you're fighting those things, you don't just sit there and, and, and wait. You speak to the entity. No weapon formed against me. It's things like no weapon formed against me will prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment the word says thou shalt condemn. It doesn't say that he will condemn it. You're supposed to condemn it. You're supposed to take the authority and condemn it and cast it out. Hallelujah. Uh, Zechariah. I like Zechariah. Look, look at Zechariah chapter 4. Where's Zechariah? That's just before Malachi, right? Yeah. Okay. Ch- chapter 4. This is a classic verse. Look at verse 1 This is the vision of the golden candle uh, lamp lampstand here And the Lord talked with me and came again and walked and waked me as a man that is awakened or wakened out of his sleep and said unto me what seest thou and I said I have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold with a bowl of upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. Now we're not going to get into all this because, you know, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm just using this as an example for here for another verse and two olive trees by it and one upon the right side of the bowl and on the other uh, upon the left side thereof. And so I answered and spake to the angel that's talked with me saying, what are these, my lord? And the angel talked with me and answered and said unto me, knowest thou not what these be? And I said, no, my lord. And he answered and and said, spake unto me, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel was the, uh, he was one of those men that went back, um, you know, Nehemiah went back as a wall builder. Zerubbabel went back and uh, began to build the temple uh, after the captivity. You know, the captives were released to go back from uh, Babylon. But um, here is a classic verse. The Lord was saying to him, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen? So it's not by might. Um, I like the first part of this. I'm not going to try to even get too far into teaching on it. But, you know, he sees this vision. to uh, these These olive trees, obviously, if you read on, they're supposed to be Uh, The typology of two prophets, but he shows, God shows, I I, I relate it to the inertia of revival because it's two, it's, you know, these golden lamps, uh, candlesticks, you know, what does a candle burn off of? Well, they burn off oil, okay? Um, But what it shows in this picture is you've got these two olive, if you paint the picture, you've got these two olive trees. That are bearing olives and they are supplying, you know, there's these pipes going down uh, into this bowl and this bowl is being filled with continuous oil, which is feeding the lamps. To me, it's just a continual inertia of revival. We step in there and what we're going to receive, as long as we just don't stop fasting and praying, it's going to be a continual process. It's going to be a continual, it's like a snowball going downhill and just gaining um, power and gaining authority and gaining momentum at all times. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The war against worship and the war, I said this, and I said I said it, probably had it in my notes. The war against worship and the war of purging are two separate things. So it's always important that we discern what's around us. Okay. And you can just do that real simple. The Lord taught me through the years about, and I say he taught me, he's teaching me. That's what I want. That's how I want to say it. He's teaching me because I have not arrived. Uh, you, many of you have heard the dream that I had years ago. I'll never forget it. It's probably one of the most vivid dreams that I ever, ever had in my life. It was so vivid that it was almost um, like I li- was physically living it. But I was... Um, in this church but this church wasn't this church it looked like this church but it w- it must have been much bigger it, the lord has to relate something to you like that's familiar for you to get across but i was sitting over here the pulpit was up there and there was like hundreds of people and uh so it was so wonderful and uh the pulpit was up there and the worship team not present worship team was leading worship and jesus it was like I was sitting there, and Jesus comes. I don't know why he does. I don't know if there's a portal here or what, or just since in my mind. But he comes over, over out of that wall. Okay, he comes walking out of that wall, and like there's uh, now this dream is so vivid that Candy wakes me up because I'm yelling. I'm really yelling in in, in bed, and uh, so I, I wake up her. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, but he comes walking out, and Jesus walks out, and you know, handsome guy, I can't tell you exactly how he looked, uh, you, know, you know, he was real, I do remember this, the robe that he had on, and his shoulders were really square, probably about six foot, five eleven, six six foot, he walks up to the to the pulpit, I'm sitting there, and everybody in the room goes, it's Jesus, and I go, oh my God, it is Jesus, he finally comes to Immokalee, And the room erupts and I felt that euphoria of like, Jesus, oh my God, it is Lord, thank you. And he's like, he's like, I'm here, you know. And uh, so just as soon as the high level of euphoria of worship, he looks at me with only a look that you see in a horror film. And nobody else in the room, for whatever reason, could see it. I knew that it was just me and him. I knew because I was the pastor. And he winks at me. And when he winks at me, the facade of Jesus disappears, and it's full-blown Satan himself. And I knew that he had everybody in the room fooled. And that the worship that we were giving him and the euphoria of he's in the room, was a, it, was a, it was a deception. And I began to scream in the dream. I began to yell in the dream, get off my stage. Get off my stage. <laughs> Candy's going, and so I'm coming into reality. Bronk, 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 And I'm, get off my stage. Get off my stage. But he can come. In deception and he'll try to turn a group like us from the truth that we're walking in as i said that may i don't know if that example i gave you about my personal life this morning rings true but i can tell you this if you fight the wrong battle you're not going to get any place yes we all need to change but yes if we're going into a place where there's a room called Agape you're going to fight some you're going to fight some battles with the accuser of the brethren that purging's not going to get that atmosphere to leave all 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 the repentance you want to do and just self-inspection and on and on it's not going to change that atmosphere you're going to have to step into a place of authority and understand okay you so say okay, so I'm hearing him say, "Read that uh, blueprint prophecy about significance." I can I can find that in just a minute, but I also remember another dream, and it, it it won't take long for me to say it, but it was another one. It was all you know. It was almost like this dream, but again, there was hundreds of us, and it seemed like this church because it was a square like this and it was a bunch of us uh there was hundreds of people that day just and i in the dream uh i can't tell you how much success felt good i mean it was a drunkenness like it was like um you know when you fought for something for so long and then you have it it's like man it just felt intoxicating it just felt like oh my god this is what we've been wanting it was a dream and there was uh but in the dream i knew i was like where's my elders and okay so i'm going to name a couple names but it's because these guys along with others of you do so much but i looked and marty wasn't around and i'm looking for marty and i go outside and marty's working he's doing something out there well he's probably doing something because i asked him to do (laughs) but he's working and he's not inside worshiping and then I look in the men's room, and Otto's in there trying to fix a toilet or something. And I was like, guys, my God, we're having a spiritual move. You guys can't be out here doing this. we gotta, we got to get back in. Well, then I walk back in, but it's not this church, but it is this church because I'm looking at hundreds of people. I'm looking, well, there's just hundreds of people. And there were some people up, and they were high-velocity like worship. And I don't know how they got up there, but somehow they got up there and every, the place was rocking. I mean, it was rocking, boy. It was like, it was rocking. It was just like, it felt so good. I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is awesome. And I felt that sense of like, I'm a successful pastor. Look how many people are here. Look how many people are starting to come to our church. There was hundreds and hundreds. And I looked up there, and I saw that the whole crowd was being deceived by a spirit that was not of God but it was absolutely a spirit that brought in the emotion and put works into play and the elders weren't worshiping the elders had and I I then I started trying to run to the front and I was saying stop it stop it stop it because it was a false spirit but inside of me, to start with, I had a choice. I felt in the dream, I could really love this. Man, this is feeding something. But I realized, wait a minute, this is not the revival that we've asked God for. It's a revi- it is a the, the, the group that was on stage had everybody pump. They were pumping them, pumping them, pumping them. And the emotion was... So there are faults, Jesuses. Faults, uh, battles or battles that will try to get you to being engaged in a war that you're not supposed to. Um, I'll read a couple more scriptures and then we'll get ready to close. Giving you some time to get home. But if, if we go into multiple hours in the future, that's okay. <laughs> I was in a church once. It's been years ago now. And uh, there was uh, this particular church really loved, let's say, warfare praise. And, you know, if you've ever heard some of that, it has a particular beat to it. And it usually has one beat. And it's like, ba boom ba-ba-boom, boom ba-ba-boom, boom ba-ba-boom, boom ba-ba-boom, boom 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 boom, you know, and it's over and over and over and over and over again, well they enjoyed what they determined as warfare praise, but I was in that church, and I was standing there, and I was like, after a while, my spirit, not my soul but my spirit, began to get. Real grieved. It's like, there's something wrong about this. Uh, Do you know what I'm talking about? That boom, 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 boom. And no, no worship song. No, you know, it just over and over. Do you know the American Indians, and I've been to Africa, the natives there, when they get ready to go into a trance, They get one uh, one beat, one beat, boom, 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 over and over. And they'll listen to it for an hour or whatever, and they'll go from, they open themselves up. And I got grieved, and I said, man, this is not. Because I'm telling you, something can go from Holy Ghost to devils. And if you're not where you can discern, and a lot of times your spirit will get aggravated. It'll get aggravated. But how those devils get people over is uh, there's a scripture on that in Colossians 2.18. It says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary involuntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind. Now, without going into that, what he's saying is the only way that somebody can get over to you like saying, I've seen things that you haven't seen. You need to you need to believe what I'm seeing. I I have encounters with angels all the time, and you need to. He says you have to come to a a voluntary um, concession, as like you lay down your ability to discern, and you have to voluntarily submit to that. Now, sometimes that'll happen in churches. Some of these churches like that and i know that they 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 meant well but i could feel that and and here's the here's how satan will come he'll come to you and say you know you're just because you're resisting this you're aggravated because you're resisting this you need to submit to it just go ahead and submit to it and it doesn't make sense are you picking on w- worship church certain no 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 i'm just telling you the illustrations that we've given about doctrines of devil me and marty was talking to just thought about that we're talking earlier and we and he brought it up he said they're going to come with different agendas he said how are we how are we going to how are we going to be able to stop it i said well only god will you can't we can't put him mean, he was sincere but the holy ghost is preparing us now they'll come with their different types of worship is there a warfare work The warfare worship we had is the wor- is the worship that we engage in presently. But you can get into that boom ba-ba-ba-ba-boom, boom ba-ba-ba-ba-boom, boom 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 boom, and it'll and it'll, after a while it's like ugh. It'll it'll, and it changes spirits. It can change spirits, and then after a while people start running around and barking and, and here's the thing. Here's what that spirit says. If, you'll truly, if you're truly humble, you'll do anything that God asks you to do. You get in the fl- you'll get in the floor and squirm and jump up and down and holler, do a flip, crow like a rooster. Those are doctrines of devils, and they come with people not being able to change. See, when something, if you're really a worshiper, it says we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. Not we have, we don't have all, we haven't come to all truth. But you, you, if you're not a critical, if you're a critical person, like you're always criticizing, maybe, maybe you've got a fault there. But if you're not a critical person, like you're not trying to look and something starts aggravating you, I mean aggravating you on the inside, don't go with it. Don't go with it. Don't say, oh, well, I just need to be more humble. Don't go with it. You need to know your significance. Okay, he told me. Let's let me. I should have had that. Somebody can get, let's see, that's I can get on the internet here. Yep, yeah, come on, come on. Okay, so blueprint, PDF. Go down, go down, go down, go down, complete the purging process. Know your significance. Turn it sideways so you can see it. I have birthed you for a sole purpose. This was one of the blueprint prophecies, came November 17, 2019. For a sole purpose. And yet, you hardly, this is all of us, you hardly know your significance. Do not let the flesh or the mundane blind you. I know me. I know me, says self unto you. I know me. I'm just me. Now, the. I'm using this because I can tell you just like the example I I said about myself this morning. If I'd have fought the wrong battle, it would have just paralyzed me all day. I knew where he had been taking me, and God helped me fight the right battle knowing my significance. I know me. I'm just me. But I say unto you that you are my son, my daughter, my high priest who is to bring forth the high praises and the intercession in the earth. That will bring forth the great and last day harvest of my kingdom, says the spirit of grace. For you've not expected more of yourself as you should, but expect more of yourself in going forward. Put a higher mark to your life and expect yourself to be in a place with me that can turn the city and can turn the nation, says the spirit of grace. When you think of smaller terms of yourself, you minimize my ability to flow through you in authority and expectation of things in faith that will truly turn a city upside down, says the Spirit of the Lord. Just a couple more paragraphs. This is one of the smaller ones of the the prophecies. When you relate to yourself, and I think we're all guilty of this, when you relate to yourself as you would relate to a friend with many faults and do not see the higher part of you which is called up into higher places to make intercession for the city. When you live out of the familiar, then you demoralize and bring low the place of authority that is in you that I have placed to bring forth the revival, says the Spirit of the Lord. There is a pride, he said, that can exist out of the flesh. And too many many guard themselves at the expense of the Spirit, saying, I will not pride myself over there but yet in the same way you will not live out of that place of authority by familiarizing yourself with the flesh but you must you must come up higher expect more do more and be more for me for that place of authority says the spirit of the lord the word says that we have not double negative we have not a high priest that which cannot be f- touched with the feelings of an, our infirmity but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin as a result of that, knowing that, let us come boldly before what? The throne of grace, that we may obtain what? Mercy. Well, wait a minute. Mercy's only for sinners. No, no, no. He's talking to Christians here. The word mercy means compassion. You come before the throne of grace, that the compassion of Christ flows out through you, that you may obtain what? Grace to help in the time of need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So our grace now that we need, Lord, is that we've never been here before. I haven't been here. You haven't been here. We're asking for grace to take us into the next level. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming tonight. God's blessings be upon you. Did you have a good time? I hope. Praise the Lord. Father, we bless them and we bless everybody watching. May the power of your Holy Spirit be upon our lives to take us into everything that you have for us. We give you all the praise and glory in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.